We are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Hello, good morning. It's so good to gather together. And uh, my name's Chris. I'm the leader here at Centrepoint Church. I'm so excited today because we get to carry on our series in Joshua. And if you're new or you feel new, let me just add my welcome to you. It's so great um, to, to gather together uh, each Sunday morning. We're going to be preaching from Joshua chapter 5. And so do uh, get your Bibles out, scroll to chapter 5. And if you don't have a Bible, why don't you stick your hand up in the air and one will arrive to you in your seat And we like to say this every single Sunday, but if the reason your hand is up is because you don't have a Bible, then please just keep this one, write your name in it. It's yours. You can have it. It will bless you and do you good. So this morning, I've decided to call the talk, God is my father. And we're going to look at three key things, how he keeps his promises, how he gives his people identity and how he provides. But before we get into it, just here's a good question for you. Have you ever been in a situation where God's timing just, it just doesn't seem to make sense. Either maybe you're, you're thinking, oh, come on, Lord, this is the right time. Why aren't you doing something? It can be out of a sense of frustration that you're ready to go and you feel like, God, why aren't you, why isn't this happening? Why isn't things coming into place? You can feel like you've been waiting for ages and frustrated with God's timing sometimes. Or it can be the other way around, where sometimes you can be in a situation where, you're you're kind of settled and you're you know this is this is the worst possible time in ever and you can be like really god really right now this is like the worst time ever to move because the the kids are in schools or the this is happening there or, or whatever we can sometimes be baffled by god's timing and do you know what N- no, that is exactly the same for joshua chapter five god's timing I, I reckon would be absolutely baffling to them. And so it's good to work out what was he doing, what was going on. And so we're going to step right into chapter 5, verse 1. Hopefully you found it by now. It says this, Now, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. For the, for, for the Israelites, for Joshua and the people of God, this is the time to attack. That key verse, their hearts melted and they no longer had courage to face the Israelites. Let's just remind you of the series so far. In chapter one, we heard about how God was calling Joshua. This is the time for the Israelites to now take hold of the promises of God, to walk into the promised land. And um, we heard all about how it was important for them to take the first step. And in each place where their foot treads, God would be with them and give them the land. And we were encouraged about how often faith is taking a step, but knowing that God is going to be with us and he encourages us to be bold and courageous in it. And then in Joshua chapter two, we heard about Rahab and how although she was outside of the promises of God, outside the people of God, she was, you know, outside of respectability, she was called in to the people of God. And we heard about how all nations and all people are welcomed into God's family and into God's kingdom. And uh, then we stepped into chapter three and four. And this was now the time where 
they had um, that it was now time to start taking steps they've had all the encouragement that they needed now it's time to start taking steps and yet this big river was at high tide flush like running in front of them and they were the ones, again, they needed to take a step into the river and it wasn't until they did that that the waters dried up. And we heard about how God doesn't just unlock the gates and open up the way. He often walks with us through uh, this thing called life and walks with us into all the promises that he has for us. And so now we get to this point where they're in the land. We get to Joshua chapter 5. They've got into the land and all the other people living in the land have heard about all that God has done with them. This is the time to attack. They are melting in fear. They no longer had courage to face them. And, and if you are anything like me, which is a strategic battle uh, commander, then you will know this is the time to attack. This is the time to press forward. And so what does the next verse say? It says this. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites Israelites again. Hmm. So verse 3, Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeah Horoloth. What? What is going on? Lord, what timing is this? Can't you see all the... All the enemy, they're in disarray, they're, they're fearful, they're, they're, they're no longer have any courage to face us. And you want us to pause and circumcise all, all the people? Like, what is going on? What? This timing is baffling. God, well, just in case you didn't know, circumcision is the ceremonial removal of a man's foreskin. And in this case, they did that with flint knives. It's quite, you know, often when I... When I think of that, I can imagine a picture of a rusty spoon type image. Um, but actually, as we find out, actually flint knives were actually quite sharp. It was, it was probably the hygienic way of going about doing this, even though they would have had swords and things like that. But yeah, again, like it seems baffling this time in that, that Joshua would do that. And just to mention a few things from those few verses that the again bit, it's not because like foreskin grows back or something. No, you don't, you don't need to do it again. It doesn't work like that. But it was basically because the whole time that the Israelites were in the wilderness, um, the people that had gone into the wilderness from Egypt, that were with Moses and crossed over the, the Red Sea and gone into it, they had been circumcised, but they weren't following God. And now, when they walked into the wilderness... They still didn't, re- they weren't really trusting in God. They spent a lot of time complaining to Moses, oh, wouldn't it be better if we were in slavery again? And they, they kind of um, weren't following God. And so we find out here in Joshua that over these 39 years, they hadn't circumcised their children. And so the people that Joshua is circumcising is, you know, all the, the, that older generation has passed away. And now Joshua is circumcising all the men, military age, of, um, that are getting ready to cross into the promised land. And so the again is, um, like you, you haven't been circumcised hence we need to get back to the practice of circumcising Israelites again so circumcision was a sign that, that they were the covenant people of God and it was a sign given to Abraham in, back in Genesis and we're going to talk a bit about this this morning so just to let you know up front we're going to talk about circumcision this morning and um, one more thing just to mention about those first few verses is that Gibeath Horoloth, that means hill of the foreskins. Now, obviously, I don't think they were walking along the country, got to this hill of the foreskins and thought, hmm, 
that's a good idea. No, it was, they got to this place, that was where God gave them the command, they circumcised all the men, and then they called it Gibeah, Horoloth. So, if you are a guest this morning, I'm so pleased you've come, and just want to give you a heads up that we are, we're going to be talking about circumcision um, through this passage, we're going to find out what it meant for them, what it means for us today, um, and don't panic if you know, this, we don't always talk about this and we, I will unpack the passage so that it relates to us and we understand it all too. And I just want to encourage you that if there's anything for you to know about our church, and that is this, that we love the Bible, that we preach through it. And it just happens that this week we're in Joshua chapter 5. We're going through the whole book of Joshua as a church. We're doing that over these next few weeks and, uh, and we're not shying away from these passages that seem quite difficult and so if you are new I want to encourage you to stay engaged listen up and and even come back next week next week we're going to have a special vision Sunday we're going to share more about who we are as a church what our vision and values are and what we're pressing into over this next year so do come back again then but let's carry on let's get into the rest of this passage and find out what this all means for us today yeah you might have a good question that is why would they circumcise their people the answer is in chapter four it says this now this is why they did so and I've kind of mentioned this already a little bit. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military aid, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age, when they left Egypt, had died. Since, key verse, they had not been obedient to the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones that Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation of Israel had been circumcised, they removed, they remained where they were in camp until they all healed. Praise the Lord. So... Whilst the enemies were in disarray, whilst it would have been the best time to attack, the link between entering the land, entering into the promises of God, is remembering that God is our Father. That is what the Israelites needed to remember. And far from running in and saying, oh, this is the time to attack, it was important for them to just pause and to remember his covenant promises and to take a moment to just stop and say, and commit themselves again to God who had committed himself to them. And so the first thing I want to talk about is how God is our father, and that is because he keeps his promises. You know, the people of God uh, from Exodus, the Israelites who came out of um, Egypt in the Exodus, they had the visual sign of the covenant. They were all circumcised, but they were far from trusting in God. They weren't faithful to him. They were... In many ways, their identity was still as slaves. And it would be possible for them, it was possible for them to have all the external trimmings and trappings of being a person of God, but in their heart, not really obeying or trusting and following him. Do you know, in exactly the same way, it's possible for us today. It's possible to come to church, to have a Bible, to have the Bible app on your phone, to, I don't know, be part of a, a small group. But kind of have all the external trappings but in your heart kind of be away from God not obedient and it's a good question for us to pause and ask ourselves what 
what is your relationship like with God, your Father, when no one else is looking? What's it like? Do you trust him? Do you love him? Do you speak to him? Are you in relationship with him? God, he's a father who loves you and he wants to meet with you and speak to you personally, not just on a Sunday morning, not just when you're gathered with others, but 24-7, all the times of the week. The people of God from the wilderness, they, they had the external trappings of being a child of God, but internally their, their hearts were far from him. And yet the, the new people, the people coming out of the wilderness, pressing into the land, they didn't have the external trappings, but they did trust God. They were faithful to him and they did love him. And now God is calling them back to, hey, I want you to remember my covenant with you. This sign of the covenant, being circumcised, wasn't part of the law. Well, it was part of the law, but it was something that was given to the Israelites before the law. You see, when God spoke to Abraham, this is right back in Genesis, there's a guy called Abraham, and God speaks to him and God says to him, look, I love you and I want to bless all the nations through you. And as a sign of God's covenant to Abraham, God asked Abraham to circumcise himself and his family. And so the circumcision was a sign of a covenant relationship between God and Abraham. It was a relationship based on grace and faith and trust. It wasn't like some kind of law that they had to follow. It's not like you've got to tick this box, it was out of relationship. Later on, it became part of the law. And so that's how it started. And this was um, how, yeah, God was choosing to, I guess, um, mark out his people, set apart his people from just normal people in the world. And so the sign of the covenant in the Old Testament, the sign of the Old Testament covenant was circumcision. And let me just explain three ways in which that played out. First of all, it was personal. This covenant sign was personal. I mean, think about it. The the kind of covenant was for all people. It was a general call to everyone. But when you're sitting there in the chair and the guy's standing there with a flint knife, it's suddenly very personal. It's a a one-on-one individual thing that's being worked out. Everyone is called to do this. But when you're sitting there in the chair, suddenly, oh, yeah, this, this means me. This isn't just the person to my right or the person to my left. I'm involved in this. And it was a command, yeah, it was a command to everyone. It was also an act of obedience. So it it was a personal obedient thing for each individual to do. It was important for them to say, to ask themselves, am I going to trust in God? Am I going to live as the people of, the rest of the people of God? Am I going to trust in his promises for me? Am I going to be obedient to do that? And they, they did. And they came, and it was an individual, personal, like, thing for them to do. To come before God and say, yes, I am, going, I am with you. You are with me. I'm part of this. I'm part of this community. Second of all, it was visible. It was meant to be a visible sign. And several passages in, like, in Numbers show how the, other, the people of God knew that the Israelites were God's people because they were circumcised. How did they know they were circumcised? I don't know, maybe it was a urinal thing and they sort of looked down. Hmm, you're a, he's an Israelite. I don't know. Somehow they knew. It was a visible thing. And it was meant to be... Sorry, if you brought a friend this morning, like, <laughs> you're like, oh, my word. It's all good, it's all good. It was a visible sign, because I'm, I'm explaining it, so that's why it's good. All right? it, was, it, was a visible, it was a sign and a witness to others around you that you were God's chosen, holy people and do you know what for that individual for each guy whenever when you walked around your day when you were 
I don't know, at the mall doing the shopping, when you were at home, when you were at work, several times throughout the day, you would look down and you would remember, oh, yeah, I'm a child of God. It's a, it's a witness to you and to others. Hey, this, is, this is someone who's a person of God. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm his child. Oh, yeah, he loves me. Yeah, no, I am in promise with him. Yes, I am, I am forgiven. I am loved. I am cherished. It was, it was visible to us. It was also permanent. Once circumcised, always circumcised. And at every moment of the day, whether you were single, whether you're in a relationship, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're looking after the kids, whether you're not looking after the kids, whether you're at uni, wherever you are, the th- it was permanent. Wherever you went, you knew you were a child of God and that God loved you. That was something you knew. You, you, wouldn't, you couldn't have not known it. It was there. And so, do you know what? As we press into the New Testament, in the same way that God said to Abraham, do not stop, don't go into where I'm calling you until you've done this, until you've been circum- until you've got the sign of my covenant. In the same way that Joshua, as they get into this moment here, God is saying, do not, do not press into the land until you, you, ha- you know that we are in covenant relationship. In exactly the same way, Jesus in the New Testament, he says to the disciples, do not go, don't go into the land, don't do anything until you have received the Holy Spirit. And what, that is the sign of the new covenant. The Holy Spirit is the sign for all, everyone to know that, hey, I am, I am a person of God. I am a child of God. And it was this, it's a sign of the Holy Spirit that is given to us today in the new covenant, praise the Lord, um, as the, the covenant promise that we have with God. That is, that is what the Holy Spirit is. And in exactly the same way, it is all these three things. It's personal. Some people... Um, at the time of Jesus, uh, Jesus' disciples and others, the Pharisees around, they thought to be a really... When the Gentiles were becoming Christians, that's people that weren't Jews, when they were becoming Christians, they were saying to each other, oh, to be a really good Christian, you now need to go and get circumcised. You, you need to, you know, to be proper, you need to circumcise yourself. And in Acts chapter 15, in Romans, and in Philippians chapter 3, it says, no, 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 you don't, you don't need to do that. Now, like, it's not that you need to be circumcised physically. You're, like, circumcised in the heart. What they mean by that is that you are set apart and holy and in covenant relationship with God through the power of his Holy Spirit. You don't need to follow external laws to be uh, known as a child of God. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the sign that you are now in covenant relationship with God. God links his Holy Spirit to his covenant, and it is personal. And he fills you with his Holy Spirit. And it's a promise that he will never leave you or forsake you. He knows you. He loves you. He knows every single part about you. He knows your hurts, your history, your weaknesses, everything that you are. And Jesus says, all who are thirsty, come to me and drink. And I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit. And just as circumcision was an act of obedience for each individual to go and sit in that chair or whatever to be done. Do you know what? Being filled with the Holy Spirit, I think, is in the same way. it's, It's an act of obedience. Are you willing to come before God and say, yes, Lord, would you fill me again with your spirit? Would you breathe your life in me? Would you, would you help me to know again that I'm in personal relationship with you? It was personal. It was also visible. It's visible. It's visibly present in people's life. When you look at a tree, if it has apples on it, you know it's an apple tree. When you look at something else, it's got pears on it, it's a pear tree. When you look at a Christian, what fruit do you see? Do you see the fruits of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. You, you know a tree by its fruit. Jesus kind of used that word. They will know you by your fruits. And 
um, being full of the Holy Spirit should be a visible sign and a witness to other people. That when they look at our lives, just as they would have looked at the Israelites and, well, you're an Israelite, they should, people should look at our lives and say, oh, that's a Christian. That's a child of God. That's a redeemed person of God because he, he is full of the Holy Spirit. I can see that in his fruits. They were called to be a fruitful people and it's a visible sign. And then lastly, it's also permanent. And what I mean by that is this, it, the Holy Spirit is permanently available. It's not available just for on a Sunday morning. Actually, the Holy Spirit is permanently available for you, to you, 24-7, wherever you are, when you're out in your workplace, when you're back at home, when you're in your street, wherever you might be, when you're at the university, the Holy Spirit is permanently available to you. So you can come before God and say, Lord, I need your strength right now. Fill me with your spirit. I don't know what to say in this situation. Fill me with your spirit. Can you give me strength for this? Fill me with your spirit. It's permanently available to you. And we should, we should be encouraged to call on him wherever we are in any moment of the day. And the Spirit enables us to feel God's presence. So sometimes we can think, surely the best thing to do right now in this situation is press ahead. Or maybe, just maybe today, God is saying to you, don't. Don't take another step until you know the tangible love of God in your life. Until you know that covenant seal of the Spirit in your life. So easy to feel pressured pressure to do this to do that oh but it seems like a good opportunity oh but but that's there but and that's there and we want to we want to press in we want to be gung-ho and go forward and sometimes God just says no stop do you know I'm your father that I keep my promises that I love you that I'm for you I want to fill you with my spirit I want to give you strength we were singing earlier that he's fighting our battles or something there's a line that James kind of made up and um, yeah this is this is how I fight my battles in the next chapter as we go into chapter six um, you, you've got the, the walls of Jericho falling down how did that happen it happened because they started walking around the walls and like singing and worshipping I don't know if they would have done that if they just if they didn't do this if they didn't stop to remember God's covenant promises I think they would have run in with their swords drawn and tried to smash down Jericho Instead, by stopping and taking the time to remember that they are children of God, they're able to come in line with what God is calling them to, and then they're able to be even more bold and outrageous and courageous for him. I mean, that is weird, and we'll, we'll find out about Jericho in a few weeks' time, but it is odd that people would march around and sing and walls would come down. Spoiler alert. But they did, and I think it's because they were bold and courageous, because they remembered God's covenant promises on them. So how, what about you? Do you feel pressure to do, do, do? Sometimes you just need to sit and stop, be filled again with his spirit. Let's move on. Chapter 9 says this, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Reproach, that means shame. I've rolled away the shame um, from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. You know, God is my father, and not only does he keep his promises, but he gives his people identity. The identity of the people in the wilderness was still mixed up in their slavery in Egypt. It was still part of that. Often, many years after being rescued or saved from awful circumstances, it's possible that people can carry in them the identity of their past. And that's what happened here. 
they carried in them their identity of, oh, we're slaves. And so, and you see that worked out. So as they walk around the wilderness, they, they grumble and moan to, to Moses and they wish, oh, can't we go back there? It was better when we were slaves because at least we had some decent food. And they can, they can, you can kind of, your identity became wrapped up in a circumstance that you might have experienced at one point. And it can be still wrapped up in that, even when you are free from that. Even when your, your life has moved on from that situation, you, your identity can be, still be wrapped up in that thing. And that's what happened here. It was wrapped up in their slavery, and so they, they struggled to, to celebrate the Passover. They didn't do that for 39 years in the wilderness. They, they didn't circumcise their children. They, they didn't re, sort of remain in that relationship with the people of God. And it's because they were still wrapped up in that thing. They carried something in their identity that was shameful. And as they come back and they're reminded again of God's promises and his covenant and they, they circumcise their, their people, God, the Lord says to Joshua, today I've rolled away your shame. I've taken it from you. I'm giving you a new identity. I'm calling you a child of God. I'm setting you free from, from those hurts and those pains. I'm bringing forgiveness to you. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing to come before the Lord and know that you're forgiven and know that you are loved and cherished and you have value and and dignity. But do you know what? That's not the only thing that God saves us from. Sometimes, yeah, I think in this passage, we're being reminded that God saves us from all sorts of things and he forgives us, he restores us and, and he does all of that. But it's possible as Christians for us to kind of walk around the wilderness knowing, oh yeah, thank you Lord, I'm forgiven, but kind of not really walking into the promised land. And so we're called from all sorts of different things, but we're called to fruitfulness. And so it's good to know that we're forgiven, and you can know that this morning, but it's also good to know that you've been called for a purpose. You've been called to be a fruitful Christian in everything you do. Walking in the promises of God means knowing this, knowing, oh Lord, yes, no, there, is, there is more for me. It's really possible, it was possible for these guys to look back and think they were the glory days. They were the days when God moved, when Moses around and all the plagues happened and the Red Sea parted and all that was going on. That was the good times. And sometimes we can do that, especially as we get older. We can look back to moments in our past when God moves miraculously and we think that was when the Holy Spirit was moved. And we can kind of relegate the Holy Spirit to that's what was good in the past and we don't have faith that he might move in the future. And I want to encourage you today, do you know what? The better days are ahead. And we can trust that as we go into these next days, as we step out, the Israelites had to trust as they step into the promised land, they're walking into the fruitfulness, all the fruitfulness that God has for them. It wasn't just about being free from shame. It was also walking into all the promises that God might have for them. Do you know what? Freedom in Christ is exactly something that does these things. It, It... talks at and looks at and helps you to to look at forgiveness and and deal with that but also to walk into fruitfulness and to be the christian that god has intended you to be that's why it's an excellent course that's why i encourage you to do it if you haven't already signed up to it god absolutely can take away your shame but you can also give you a new identity an identity of not just about someone who's kind of walking in in forgiveness knowing this stuff but not really trusting in in the newness or the fullness of all that god has for you And I want to encourage you today, do you know what? 
they were able to come and celebrate the Passover because they had come back into covenant relationship with God, because they remember they'd been forgiven and restored. Then they're able to come and celebrate the Passover. And the Passover for them is much like communion is for us today. Communion is a way of us Christians to celebrate Jesus' death on the cross. And the reason we celebrate is because on the cross, Jesus died and paid the price for our sins. He took away our shame. But that wasn't the end of the story. He also rose again three days later, defeated sin, death and Satan. And now he meets with his people through his Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, greater things you will do than than what I did, now that you have my Holy Spirit. And so there's more for us to walk into, more promises of God to walk into and to be encouraged by. And I want to encourage you to think, no, the better days are ahead. You know, God can do more through us than what we can dream or imagine. Believe it. He can. And in order to do that, what do we need to do? We need to come back in covenant relationship with God. We need to remember, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Remind me of your promises to me. Help me, Lord God, to walk in faithfulness to you. That's what God was reminding the Israelites to do. I want to remind, encourage you to do the same. Lastly, verse 11, this is the last bit of the chapter, says this. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. You know what? God is my father. He provides. Three times in just those two verses, it talks about how they ate from the produce of the land. Do you know, before this, in the wilderness, God did an amazing miracle and he produced manna from heaven. And now, instead of producing manna from heaven, now they were just planting crops and farming the land. Sometimes it's possible for us to think that um, God is with us when he does amazing miracles, when things are just outstanding, but in the mundane, oh, well, where is he? Do you know what? I believe that God is saying to us through this that, no, no, the miracle is just as much God's provision as the mundane. For me and Catherine, when we were first married, we, we didn't have much money. And I remember just time and time again where God has just provided miraculously through us. There was one instance where our washing machine broke down. We had very little money and we were kind of like, wow, wow what are we going to do? And um, like that evening, someone in the ter- church texted us and said, hey, um, my, my grandma died a few days ago and um, we've got a whole house full of stuff white goods which we kind of need to get rid of do you do you know anyone that would need stuff like a washing machine or anything else and we're like oh this is amazing thank you lord and we went around there a few days later and picked picked it up and god provided miraculously in that time right on you know on the day in the moment and he's done that many times in our lives but he's also provided by giving us jobs so that we can go out and we can pay for a washing machine or whatever You know, that provision is just as much God's favour and his blessing on us as our jobs is his favour and blessing. Do you know, as these uh, people walk in the land, as they walk in the land, the manna stops straight away. And now God has given them the land to farm. And as they plant crops and farm and, and get things from that, do you know what? God is just as much their provider. He is providing them from the land. And it's possible for us to think, to to kind of think about our jobs or university or whatever it might be and think, oh God, I can't wait to get out of that job. I can't wait to leave that thing. It's, It's so annoying. And I want to encourage you, hey, do you know what? The place with which God has given you is his provision to you as well as your mission. 
the mission for the Israelites was to go into the land and take the land, but the, the, the land was also their provision. Our mission is the same as our provision. What I mean by that is that when we view our, our workplace, we should see that as a place, yes, of course, we're called to be Christians and we're called to share the good news of Jesus and we're called to be a blessing to our workplace. But it's also our provision and we can thank God that we, we earn our money from it and that it resources us and we can make friends from it. And it does both. It's, the place, it's our place of mission, it's also our place of provision. With our friendship groups, it's yes, of course, we should share the good news of Jesus and we should love them and care for them and be, you know, be who we are around them. But it's also a provision of friendship and, and relationship and well-being. Our, our street is, of course, is a place of mission and we should share the good news of our street, but it's also a place of provision as we get to know the people around us and, you know, and they help each other out. And you know, when you go on holiday, they, they just keep an eye on your house and make sure that nothing's bad happening. It's a place of provision is, is the place of our mission. And so wherever you are today, maybe the message that you need to hear from this chapter is, you know, stop whining about your job. Stop fretting about that family situation or that thing and come before God and say, Lord, this is a struggle for me, but help me to see that my mission and my provision are, this, are come from the same place. Help me to trust you that just as you are providing for me through this, through this job or through this course or through this whatever, I, help me to trust that that is just as much from you as anything else that you provided for me. So where is your confidence? Is it in your level of education? Is it in your status, in your bank balance, in your job? Or is it in your father? God is our father and he keeps his promises. He gives us a new identity. He frees us from shame, but gives us areas of fruitfulness to walk into. It gives us the Holy Spirit to fill us and to remind us that he is a covenant God and he is for us and with us. And he also provides. He provides for us in multiple different ways. It would be good if the band can come back up. And just as they do, um, this morning, in terms of like application, there's been little things that have come through. I think the best way in which we can respond is to come into God's presence and ask him to fill us again. I think that one of the key things from this whole thing, I know for me, is stop. Before you take another step, know that I am your father, says the Lord. Know that I'm in covenant relationship with you, that I will not leave you, I will not forsake you, and that I will give you courage and boldness to be able to step into all the things I'm calling you and those things might look differently to what you think right now but nonetheless I will be with you and I will give you the boldness and courage to do that come into covenant relationship again with me be filled with my holy spirit I believe the Lord will want us to be a people of God who are just spending time loving our father worshipping him falling in love with him again so I just want to encourage you why don't you stand Let's all stand together. Just want to, whilst you stand to your feet, uh, in whatever way you feel comfortable, why don't you just start to open your heart out to the Lord. I believe that this is a moment for you to kind of do business with God one-on-one -on -one where you are. It's like the Israelite standing before the guy with the flint knife. Just coming before God again and saying, 
if you don't know him, why don't you say, Lord, will you reveal yourself to me? I don't, I don't, I don't know you, but I'm asking, I don't even know who I'm asking to, but I just pray, Lord God, would you, would you speak to me like, you, like I know you've spoken to other people? believe that the Holy Spirit is greater at doing a work in you than any of my words could. So that's why I'm going to give you time to do that with God. And if you already know God, why don't you just come to him again? Tell him you love him. Lord, I love you. Why don't you say sorry for anything you need to say sorry for? You might be sorry for pressing into stuff being busy, 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 busy. Lord, help me to just stop in this moment. To remember I'm loved by you. Chosen. Valued. Lord, I pray all across this room, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Would you help us to know that we are in covenant relationship with you? That we are your people, that we didn't choose you, but you chose us. And you filled us with your Holy Spirit. And I pray right now for any of us that feel dry. Jesus said, all who are thirsty, come to me and drink. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you just come and sweep through this room? Would you fill us again with your spirit? Would you energize us, refresh us? Lord, we're thirsty for you. We're thirsty for more of you. And I just pray, Heavenly Father, would you just come and dwell in our hearts again? Would you fill us again? Would you help us, Lord God, not to look back, but to look forward to all that you might do? Thank you that you've forgiven us. Help us, oh God, to walk in the fruitfulness of all that it means to be saved by grace. We're just trusting you this morning, Lord. We're just asking you to meet with us today. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.